Hi, everyone. This is Jackie Cooper with J. Cooper Travels, and I want to welcome everyone back to this episode. I want to remind everyone to definitely like and subscribe so that way you know when the next episode drops. I also want to share a little bit um, about myself and how J. Cooper Travels before I introduce my next guest. My next guest actually has been on uh, with me a number of times, and I'm really excited to have her on again because um, she has been doing so much good in the world and one episode just doesn't work. So we are having multiple episodes. So Jay Cooper Travels started a number of years ago because of my love for traveling around the world. And then with COVID, it was rebranded. So it's more about how do we travel in life, both through our inner journey, as well as the outer journey? How do we treat people? How do we support those that we care about in our families, communities, and all around? And I, um, and that sort of ties to my background. I'm both a lawyer as well as an educator, um, as well as a mom. And so again, everything that we talk about is about stories and how we can interrelate with others and support those in our community. And so with that, I want to welcome Deborah again to the show. How are you doing today? Wonderful. Good to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you too and, and to chat with you. So um, for those that are on the talk show side, definitely hop over to the YouTube side so you can actually see the platform that we're going to be highlighting and talking about today. I do want to mention that Deborah is an author and um, uh, more than one book. And I'm going to have her introduce herself because she has such a, um, uh, a diverse and rich background that I want to make sure I don't forget anything. So Deborah, why don't you go ahead and do a short introduction. And for those that have not had a chance to listen to our other two episodes, definitely hop on over so that way you can learn more about those books as well. Sure. Yes, I am an award-winning author of 15 books. Yeah. Uh, I am a newspaper columnist, opinion columnist. Uh, I am a Forbes magazine, a top diversity and inclusion pioneer, and I am also sometimes a coach, trainer, and teacher, something I really love doing. <laughs> so today we are going to be um, not talking about the books that you've written. We're talking more about... Um, a platform that talks about diversity. So um, why don't you go ahead and introduce that? Do you want to bring it up on the screen? And, and that way we can kind of be guided by what the platform looks like. And for those that are listening, um, the all the links to reach Deborah and all the resources that we're talking about will be in the blog below. So if you are um, hearing about the American Diversity Report and you uh, don't have paper and pen, don't worry. You can go to the blog link below and just click on through and that way you can um, enjoy all the wealth of information that's here. So I see um, the logo of, of a variety of colors of individuals. How did, how did that logo get created and how did you, uh, how did this all get started? How many years ago did it get started? Thank you for asking. So a little more than 15 years ago at this point, uh, I uh, was approached by the IT director of the local newspaper about the um, little newsletter I was putting out. 
uh, because I had founded both the Women's Council on Diversity and a global leadership class, I had a newsletter. And he said, you really should be doing something differently in terms of uh, reaching the audience. The global audience should be hearing about what you're doing. So don't do this PDF thing. Uh, go online and start to create something that it, it can be seen around the world uh, easily. And I will help you. And he did. And so the American Diversity Report uh, was uh, created uh, with uh, help of uh, this lovely gentleman, uh, and it had its uh, inauguration right, at one of the universities here in town, and off we were running very, very quickly. Uh, it was something that appealed to people to be published, and I wanted to publish people from all over the world, not just locally or even nationally. And the, the articles started to come in and I realized I had to have submission guidelines. I had to be able to uh, deal with um, all the graphics and uh, I had help at that time. Uh, but uh, there was a moment when uh, we were hacked and it was replaced with a screen basically threatening my life. Wow. Yeah. And my IT gentleman, uh, it unfortunately got the same um, ridiculousness on every client he had on his web, on his platform. And he invited me to go ahead and uh, do it all myself, telling me I was very smart, sure I could do it, bye. So um, I did. Now, I will say that over the years, I've had people come and volunteer to assist upgrading it, updating it, uh, and we have made this uh, an amazing writer's colony uh, uh, that uh, can give you resources, um, diversity, inclusion, equity, as well as current events, and I do also have my own books up here if people are interested. Uh, the Written Word has been very much part of my life forever. And um, it's also morphed into a podcast series. It just keeps on going. You, what you see here is the front page. Uh, by the way, it, it is not in print, it is all online. Mm -hmm. uh, and the the uh, articles will change every month, perhaps often, more often than that, uh, to give people uh, uh, a visibility uh, as uh, the diversity themes of each month change. So how do so, you decide, uh, sorry to interrupt, how do you decide what the diversity themes are? Ah, so one of the things that happened a couple of years ago is I was contacted by one of the advisors, and we'll talk about the advisors in a minute, uh, to um, standardize the ADR uh, a bit by offering suggestions for themes for each month. Uh, and uh, his name is uh, uh, <laughs> Carlos, and um, he is truly a pioneer in the world of diversity and is so 
important an icon in this field. So we tried together to put uh, out these topics. And if you go into the submission guidelines and uh, you, you, you look at the article guidelines, you will also have a link to the calendar. And it gives you a number of topics for each month. And we don't have to totally go with the topics. If there's something that comes up like current events that people need to want to talk about, that's fine too. But it gives you an idea of some of the ways in which we organize the articles. There's more than a thousand articles up here on the ADR. And uh, it's vital that people be able to find what they need. So we do that. We take a summer break, by the way, from June, July, and August, and we come back in September. And we have additional topics then. So how do you define diversity? Ah, what a good question. <laughs> So let me explain that uh, I started in the, the field of diversity before it was even called that, back in the early 1980s. Uh, multiculturalism perhaps was a word that was more popular back then. Uh, and I was hired to do something with religious diversity, although it wasn't called that, it was called interreligious affairs. But that's essentially what it was, interfaith, inter faith and religious diversity kind of combined. Uh, the definition of diversity continues to change over the years. Then after diversity became a challenge, inclusion was added. After diversity and inclusion didn't quite do it, equity was added. After diversity, equity and inclusion didn't quite get it there. Um, belonging has been added. Um, the intention has always been the same, uh, but the challenges right, have been monumental to achieve what people had hoped to with the diversity world. And so we have encapsulated that history here on ADR. So you can go through articles that have been written over the years, trying to assist people in reaching the goals that diversity set out from the, from the very beginning. So would you say that diversity is categorization of people or categorization of settings? Well, the diverse, the diverse workplace, for example, Right, is going to include the, the, uh, both the setting and the people. Um, the diverse community would be doing the same. So if you're looking at uh, adding a word to diverse, you, know, you can uh, get a different picture each time. Uh, there's the diverse team, right? the diverse writers. Uh, it, 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 continually evolves to involve both the categories, and we'll look at that in a minute, and the settings. 
So if you look at inclusion, you'll see uh, gender, disability, generational, race and ethnicity, religious diversity, and then teams and leaders, which is more of a setting, uh, and the academic journal, which will come to another time. But the, the interplay of settings and, and people is, is inescapable. So um, how do you decide um, what to put on there? Because there's so much going on in the world. How do you decide um, what you're going to be featuring and talking about? Well, partly it's the themes for the month. Mm -hmm. we, will, we have a newsletter and we will put the latest uh, articles and podcasts up on the newsletter for people. And it is to subscribe is free. You can go ahead and do that uh, right here. Uh, and we will include you in the 1,200 people who uh, we send this to monthly. Um, the, the business of being an editor of something like this is intriguing. <laughs> I would say, yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes I get... Um, articles from individuals who are not native English speaking, right? And sometimes I will help them uh, if, if it's really a focused article, help them with the language to make sure that our readers uh, get the best of what they have to say. Uh, sometimes there, there are articles that come in from people who are regular writers for the ADR. So they submit quite often and they know me, they know the submission guidelines uh, and there's very little I have to do uh, to um, change anything, edit anything. And their articles come with uh, author's box, which stays the same, uh, which makes it easier um, if they're regulars. So here's the submission guide. You can see the format and the rules of what's not published. And you can also see the poetry. Now, let me say a word about this. From the start of the ADR, I've had a section on poetry. And I've done this because I believe the arts in general and poetry yeah. specifically captures the diversity of culture and is a window into it like none other. Uh, I myself have been a dancer. I've had my own dance company. I've played the violin and been a musician in an orchestra. Uh, it's inescapable and it's wonderful. At this point, because we have developed it so much, we have our own poetry editor, John Minoni, and basically uh, a, a, an attached website where he, he has the ability to edit himself and add graphics, photos, and everything to these beautiful poems that come in. Um, so let me uh, interrupt you for a quick second and ask, have you, um, on the site ever done an ebook uh, with all the poems in it for uh, publication? We have not, but what a great idea. I will talk to John about that. Thank you. <laughs> because uh, we have 
so many wonderful poets from mm -hmm. around the world and poetry. It, it's been just an amazing thing. And I think it would be a great moment to have the ADR poetry ebook available. I agree. I agree. And I think that it would be, um, you know, a tool that would uh, stimulate conversation um, at all different levels. So um, I'm glad to share that idea with you. <laughs> I love it. It's wonderful. Yeah. You know, the, um, um, the one of the reasons why I included poetry in the very beginning was uh, in my father's honor. Uh, because, uh, you know, he was a um, U.S. military intelligence officer during World War II, assigned to interrogate Nazi prisoners of war. And in order to survive what he saw, he took poetry books with him, yeah. read, read them, and yeah. has always been there with poetry. Uh, it's, it's it, and it just, in fact, one of my very first publications when I was a teenager was a poem. How could mm -hmm. it not? <laughs> yep. And I remember writing poetry when I was younger as well. I haven't um, taken the time to write poetry now as an adult, but um, I'm doing other writing. So, you know, again, the creative outlet is is definitely there, but I, 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 I think it would be fun to read and um, provide a lot of interesting conversations as a result of that. Um, so I see, um, you have STEM in there um, as one of the topics. Um, what made you decide to include the, um, the science technology area in there? Where do we see the STEM? It was on the left-hand column on the, on the, uh, the, all the way over, if you scroll all the way down, um, just kind of scroll down a little bit. Yeah, you got to, Yep. For those that are on the audio side, we're looking at the website. Um, I think I saw oh, okay. like I see in the list of, of um yeah uh, words. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, so, the stem of the south. Well, yes, yes there it's it is. All over there. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you better believe it. So let me explain a little bit about why. Okay, so being a teacher, my eye caught that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So one of the um things that uh, I did in high school, right, was to study matrix algebra, which is the basis for computer programming. And it was offered for the first time, I think it was 1965 in this high school in, in Long Island. Uh, and my mother said, you take it. And I said, oh no, I'm going to be a poet. And she said, this is not a suggestion, dear. And so I did as I was commanded. <laughs> I'm not stupid. <laughs> and the reality was that um, I started studying advanced math as early as eight years old. Yeah. And um, you remember the new math? I, yeah, I remember it well. I'm, I'm going through a lot of yeah. that now. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so I started studying that at around eight or nine years old. And my dad helped me out saying it was like military coding. And I kept on going. Uh, and uh, my, my appreciation of the STEM world has been forever. In fact, 
uh, I ended up being the IT director of an office at the same time as its interreligious affairs director uh, back in the uh, early 1980s. Uh, so this is something that I feel very strongly about. Um, my, my friend, uh, Judy, who went, was with me in these classes, reminds me that of all the high school class that we were in, hundreds of people, only four females mm -hmm. were in the math and science classes that we were. I remember when I went to college, I went to Vassar, and the... Um, my first year, uh, um, Winifred Asprey was in, it was the professor's name, and she was in charge of computer science. And she was, um, again, I was like in my teens, and she was much older at that point. I mean, and when I say much older, she must have been in her 50s or 60s at that point, which, you know, again, um, and she was a, a definite thought leader in the computer science area because the machines were huge. They were monsters of machines. <laughs> and yet, uh, they, they filled the whole room as opposed to the computer laptops that we now currently carry and use. And um, she also was uh, involved on the, the military side as a consultant. Um, I want to say Los Alamos. Um, you know, again, I, I could be um, wrong in terms of location, but that's where my memory is going right now. And so you're right, there were not a lot of women in these fields. And when you when I think about her age at that point, in terms of when I went to school, and where she had to be when she went to school, in order for her to be where she was, you know, it's just the history of that is just incredible. Exactly. And one of the things that uh, I, I've been devoted to is uh, to assist uh, in any way I can uh, young women to go into the field of STEM. In fact, I served as the research coordinator for a short time at a college of engineering and computer science to make sure that they had the ability to do the technical writing required of that uh, college. Um, unfortunately, many people did not. And uh, especially the women who could choose to go back into the humanities did. So we didn't actually graduate as many as started out in the field. Yeah. Yeah. So but I uh, want, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, it's just, that's part of the diversity of, uh, about uh, gender. Uh, mm -hmm. and uh, setting that, that kind of combines. Uh, and the STEM world, uh, for sure, is, is something that uh, I'm very passionate about. And there is a, uh, a, a, work, a, a guide, if I have it here, here, the STEM Women Study Guide that I put together with um, a university here in, in the area uh, to give that history uh, to young people coming into college uh, about the long history of women in STEM. Uh, and then it, it, it concludes with current day women uh, here in, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, who are pioneers in STEM. And we put it up on, on Amazon, it's available. So I wanna propose something as an extension okay. to what you're doing, because I see a gap. 
And I would like to offer um, a partnership with me. I'm going to be oh. offering a partnership with me only because of the fact that um, you know that I do a variety of talk shows. And the one that we're on right now is Jay Cooper Travels. But an area that I'm uh, a consultant in is in the blockchain and cryptocurrency world. And um, I think that you know the this whole Web3 and the blockchain development and the technology that's here, um, there are women involved, but they're not always spoken about. And so I think that uh, this might be um, a follow-up STEM guide for the, the thought leaders in the blockchain world. And I would love to be a part of creating that to share because again, this whole technology is very creative. It cuts across a lot of different areas from business to branding to so much. And um, we need more women involved in understanding that. Um, and so I think it's something, uh, you know, uh, that we we definitely need to add to the portal if you'll you know consider it and i'm happy to be a part of that project <laughs> <laughs> well thank you that's an amazing idea uh, what we can do is uh, do a, an additional um uh version of this and broaden yeah. it you know yeah. and update it i think that would be very easy and i will i will make sure that you get a copy of what we have done. So you can take a look at how we've put it together uh, so that it's easily digestible and usable mm -hmm. in the classroom. And that's that's always been part of my goal, right? I want to engage when I instruct. You know, and exactly. that's what this is for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And as um, since my background's law as well as as an educator, I think it's really important that and my when I went to Vassar, my my major was science, technology and society. So it's, you know, the blockchain is a blend of all that. And I think that uh, as, as STEM, you know, it's all all tied together. So for everyone who's listening, this will be a, a definite we're going to have more than one conversation and this will be uh, exciting to share the launch of that down the road. So what other parts of the um, the platform would you like to share today? Well, let's see, we, we, we've talked about the, the women, we've talked a little bit uh, about uh, the poetry and the art. Um, I'll, I'll uh, take a moment for the make a difference. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, because there, I, I wanted this to be um, sort of uh, life-changing. Uh, to me, that's what diversity is all about. And it doesn't um, have a, a one lane <laughs> path in, in the world. It covers, diversity covers just about everything in my world. So uh, you can look here at the various different uh, topics that I asked people to write about, submit things to uh, some about the pandemic, for example, in politics, education, going green. I have lots of wonderful environmental articles up here, especially those that look at how environment issues affect diverse populations, social issues of various kinds. And you can see that also I have the Holocaust up there because increasingly I'm being asked to, to share and to teach 
uh, about history, Holocaust, and how it resonates today. Yeah, uh, so for sure. That is up there. That's up there. And wellness. Yes, um, I have had more than my share of uh, illnesses and physical challenges. Um, as we speak, uh, my left foot is in a boot. <laughs> <laughs> Again, <laughs> <laughs> that'll be a side conversation offline. <laughs> so yes, right. you know, the thing is, you're right. Um, the, uh, in terms of just the economics of wellness and, and access to healthcare, depending upon where you live and, um, you know, the, the communities that not everything's equitable. And so, you know, we, exactly. we, we, we saw it with distribution of the, um, and it wasn't always intentional. It was just the logistics of getting the vaccines out. You know, again, um, sometimes our service models, our delivery models are, are, um, are a challenge. And, and on a personal note, that's why I'm concerned about the post office going, you know, not being in business. Because again, if we, if we don't have some sort of public-private partnerships, we limit the access to communities that might not normally have be able to afford some of these other models that are in place. So absolutely. And and each element of, of the of the American diversity report reflects a, a sort of cultural anthropology look at culture yes. and yes. all the themes that are involved in society. And how diversity affects them in each way, each each one of them in different ways. And one of the things that I, I talk about, and we'll discuss this maybe in the following session, right? Is can you use cultural anthropology as the basis, right, for training people in diversity and 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 under, so that they can understand the big data that is involved in making a diverse world work. So that's part of the structure of the American Diversity Report. I love it. Um, I, I, I love how it's evolved over time because I know you and I've talked um, a number of times and what I'm hearing is that as current events happen, as different issues come up, as um, the communities are also um, changing and evolving, you're constantly, um, creating resources so that way people can use them for education and for empowerment and inspiration. So um, that's what uh, you know. All of this is for. So everyone who's listening, definitely um, come on over to the American Diversity Report and subscribe, so you can you know definitely um, look at everything. Um, we're going to have more than one conversation. Any last minute thoughts that you might want to have before we um, sign off for today? Well, you might have uh, an interest, your audience might have an interest in looking at the, um, the ADR team. Sure. Because I don't do this alone. You can see, for example, the advisory board yeah. has people on it uh, from many different cultural communities, and you can read about them, uh, each one of them, as, as we go down um, and see the diversity of people who offer their advice and write articles for the ADR uh, and see um, 
how we've put this together. It's been an amazing journey, you're absolutely right. And one that um, I think is, is probably more relevant today than ever. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and so we continue to do this. Uh, and um, you can see when we have our next conversation, you know, some of the, uh, the books that I've written and consulting in the opinion columns that really go to the heart of how we're going to make this world uh, a diverse, equitable, and inclusive one. I that, agree. That, that moves us forward and not just butting heads. Yeah, I think the, the power of collaboration and communication is critical to have uh, peace in all communities. Um, and, and sometimes the conversations are difficult, but we, we need to be able to um, have safe spaces in order to have these conversations. So Yes, indeed. Safe spaces. And by the way, um, we'll talk about this at the next yes. one. The matrix and model, definitely. Matrix model management system right? Mm -hmm. A guide to cross-cultural wisdom. And it is a workbook that is also about the unbiased, unbiased guide for leaders. And I will say that this workbook, right, while you're right, we have difficult conversations. My goal is to have some fun with it too. Mm -hmm. And so I end up with a whole room full of folks having a laugh now and then as well as challenged that's always good uh you know uh, laughter is 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 very important it's very healing so um with that everyone who's listening definitely like and subscribe i want to uh, thank you deborah for being on um i look forward to our our future conversations i also want to mention to everyone who's been listening to the jay cooper travels talk show um, since I did mention about the blockchain, if you have questions about that, um, definitely reach out to me. Um, that is a, an ever evolving area. You do need to navigate it um, you know, with research. Um, but again, uh, it's definitely a creative space and I, I love consulting and supporting everyone on their educational journey in that area. So uh, thank you so much. I look forward to talking with you soon. And uh, for everyone, remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. We're all one world and we're all interconnected. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye.